0: Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries the Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, the sneaker king of the Southeast. It's Gabe Lamplabella. Welcome back.
1: You know, I'll take that title. Um, I don't know if many others would agree with you. My yeah, are sneaker you a sneaker?
0: Game? Are you a sneakerhead at all?
1: I, I wish I could be a sneakerhead. I don't have the budget to be a sneakerhead, let's say that.
0: That's kind of how I am. Like I I I have like one or two nice pairs of sneakers that that I'll wear out on the town and I I admire people, I admire the sort of the art of sneaker culture even if I'm someone who like does not have the budget to like purchase a whole bunch of Air Jordans and and you know, cool retro Adidas shoes and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely respect the time people take in, in terms of perfecting the sneaker game. And, you know, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't go watch plenty of YouTube sneaker haul videos just to live vicariously through them.
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: I'll say I had no, like, I, I have no preconceived sneaker love one way or the other. Let's I say I used that. to
0: live like down down the block from a, a sneaker place here in Atlanta and and actually in Greensboro too when I lived there and would just sort of like sometimes like walk by to go get a coffee like why is there this massive line of people standing in front oh that's the sneaker store they're like waiting for some sort of like there's only 50 of these in the world and you got to be the first in line to get them obviously um, well this isn't a sneaker podcast but um it, it is apt that we we begin talking about sneakers because you and I are going to discuss Air, the new Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie um, that also I should just mention has Viola Davis in it, which is is kind of crazy as we'll probably get into. But um, oh, not yeah. that it's crazy she would work with those two, but considering the part in the movie, it's like a pretty wild flex that Viola Davis is in it. Um, this is essentially the, the movie about um, Nike trying to court pun pun unintended michael jordan um (laughs) into being their spokesperson and sort of the the creation of the air jordan shoe uh had its premiere at south by southwest um where it's already been generating a lot of buzz it's coming out here in a couple days i figured it'd be probably the the movie out now in the the world that is would probably be the richest to talk about um yes it we you and i were kind of talking a little bit before we got on there's a bunch of stuff coming out. At the moment, you know, I haven't seen the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I think you saw that. Um, I haven't, despite being an, an avid Florence Pugh fan, um, I have not seen this Zach Brack movie that she is in. Uh, saw I, that. <laughs> I did get a chance to see um, this movie out of Sundance that is now rolling out across the country called 1001. That I don't, I don't, I believe you said you didn't get a chance to see this in kind of the Sundance lineup
1: no no so you know of course when sundance doesn't offer the press accreditation to our our folks you have to be a little more stingy with what you know you're willing to check out and see and this one completely slipped my radar even after the very uh, rapturous word of mouth it received
0: yeah it's um it's the movie that won the like jury prize at sundance this year um mm-hmm. it is first time film from a woman named AB rockwell um i would definitely flag her as like a person to watch um considering this movie and it is it's essentially this mother-son story um a, with the mother played by uh tiana taylor um from from atlanta shout shout out mm-hmm. um and her <laughs> attempting to uh raise this son of hers who has been in the foster care system she kind of pulls him out of the system uh somewhat illegally um is not supposed to have custody of him and it really charts several decades as their relationship unfolds and evolves as well as the city around them the city of new york evolves in not just uh you know the the socio-political stuff going on in the atmosphere but how the, the type of people that live in New York changes and how the due to gentrification, it becomes less feasible for, you know, a, a certain uh, economic class of person to live in that city. It becomes less feasible. Um, I I quite enjoyed this movie. I, I think um, there is one thing that kind of bumped me about it that I, since you haven't seen it, I can't really get into. I will just say there is something that happens in kind of the last third of this movie that I I think is meant to be a big kind of like rug pull for the odd. It's supposed to be this big kind of shocking, dramatic thing um, for you as an audience and for the characters to experience. And I think if I maybe have kind of one big complaint against the movie, it's that I sort of didn't feel it needed that kind of final big... uh, revelation i'm I'm really trying to step around my (laughs) my words uh to not sort of like lean too too hard into sort of like what it it, you know i don't want anyone listening to be like i'm really expecting something kind of like wild and crazy like you know is it all a dream or something like that at the end but something does kind of happen at the end of this movie and i just felt that the mother-son relationship was both so carefully observed and so powerful in of itself um, that I sort of did not feel the the sort of thing that happens at the end of this movie sort of feels like something kind of a young screenwriter throws in to kind of like it gets your script sort of an extra bit of attention. But mm-hmm. ironically, in thinking of, you know, to somewhat connect this to the the larger movie we're going to talk about, Air, it did kind of make me think about that anecdote of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing *Goodwill Hunting and William Goldman telling them like, you know, you don't really need the whole like subplot with like, he's on the run from the CIA and stuff like that. Like, you know, the, the stuff of this guy just trying to figure out his life, like that's good enough. I think you can take the thriller stuff out of it. And that's kind of how I felt with sort of like how a thousand and one evolves over the course of its running time is I think when it is this, Sort of very, as I said, carefully observed, highly specific story about a mother and her son and sort of the sacrifices a parent is willing to make in order to ensure that their child has a better life than maybe mm-hmm. they ever did. I, I found all of that really, really powerful and really, really um, engaging. And and when, when I think the movie tries to sort of, I think, reach a little too hard to kind of... Uh, you know, shock its audience or or to to sort of throw an extra thing to kind of keep you engaged. Um, it sort of rang a little false to me, if that makes sense. I don't know. Did I do a good job at sort of vaguely explaining this, oh, this yeah. movie?
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it kind of leads me to ask... Can you see how this won that grand jury prize at Sundance and how it played like gangbusters for that audience?
0: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because there's, there you know, you are fully aware of the Sundance hype machine that oh, yeah. often happens. And and people saying like, you know, and even going into this movie, I think I had a little bit of skepticism because that, that sort of altitude thing there is real right. of, you know, people people are so eager to see a masterpiece there that um you know sometimes movies will get uh, hyped up a bit more than they they deserve but um i i can kind of see it i mean i on an earnest note i think the mother son stuff in here works so well that i i think that in of itself i can the more sincere part of of my my mind wants to believe that 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 was enough to sort of win people over um but you know it is also a movie that I I think sometimes more successfully than others is trying to weave this whole sociopolitical history of New York happening in the background. Um, I think that's something that gives it an extra air of ambition. And then I, I certainly, on a cynical level, can see what happens in sort of the final act of this movie as being the thing that, you know... Kind of like shocks your audience into being like, well, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I can't believe that. Okay,
1: okay. Then, then based on that and just the general word of mouth, I definitely want to check it out. But you know, as you kind of alluded to, we're at this weird point to where in film releases there is no dead air in terms Mm -hmm. of how many films are coming out. So it's just a matter of how quickly you know critics like you and I can keep up with them and see them in the quickest and most efficient way possible. So definitely definitely going to check that out
0: yeah i would definitely encourage anyone you know if you're if you're looking for something kind of outside of the sort of big noisy fanfare to 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 give this one an opportunity and i i I think there is enough that sort of emotionally works about it to to recommend it to, to viewers i'm curious i i'm I'm sort of on the fence about whether to see this Dungeons and Dragons movie. I know you saw it. Is, yeah. Is is it? Should I rush out to catch it in the theater? Should I just wait until it like shows up on a streaming service? I I am conflicted as to what I must do.
1: You know, it's it's funny. I'm I'm glad we have a chance to talk about it because when I wrote my review, it, it came off as a little more middling. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, than, it, than the film actually is. And if you want to read my review, head over to Really Good Movies or Asheville Movies. I'm going to hear that take. But it's a lot of fun. It's It's definitely this bloated action-adventure fantasy where there's almost so much style and action sequence and cast banter that it can feel a little bit languid at times. And I think if you're not on board for more... Escapist fair, um, it's not going to work for you. But you get some really fun performances from people like Chris Pine and Hugh Grant. Uh, Reggae Jean Page shows up for a little bit. I will say, if you are a Bridgerton completionist or diehard super fan, um, Reggae Jean Page isn't in it enough to necessarily warrant a viewing. Um, but it's still one of those movies that involves a mystical, magical MacGuffin. And anytime the film stops to explain the purpose of said MacGuffin, it lost a lot of steam for me. And anytime we have to get the plot moving, it loses that kind of buoyant energy. Um, But this cast is just so capable and so game for as stupid as things get that I was never bored. And I can totally see the argument of people saying this is a disappointing lackluster adventure. I get that. But Again, as we talk about, you know, getting into summer and we're getting back into superheroes and technically awards hopefuls now, um, it's nice counter-programming. And it's it's nice to have a a fantasy adventure that isn't a relatively known IP, like a Lord of the Rings or Star Wars sort of epic, for sure.
0: Yeah, I have no relationship to the board game Dungeons & Dragons, so I probably am not the person to be able to say, like, oh, it's, you know, pulling from this on the out of the board game or so on and so forth. The the vibe I've just heard from people that has made me interested is people saying like, oh, no, it's kind of way more of a comedy. You know, it's from the guys who made Game Night, which I think is one of the more underrated movies of the last five or six years. Terrific. Um, you know, and that this this is more of a kind of like Princess Bride sort of vibe than necessarily like, you know, a, a bloated uh franchise builder. But it it also then on the other side is kind of like, well, how can we do kind of like a fantasy comedy? Well, we have to put it under the brand of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Cause it has and, to be something familiar for people to kind of like glom onto.
1: And that's exactly it. You know, I I think you can definitely feel the gears turning of this wanting to be a franchise. Um, But this cast is just so dang likable and makes the most out of so many archetypal roles to where it's almost like the the house of cards could fall apart at any moment, but it thankfully doesn't. And more than anything, I, I feel like that's kind of the highest praise I can give because you can see the strings that are just being held together. But man, I don't think I've laughed harder in a movie in months
0: okay you're you're selling me as someone who wants to see more more comedies in, yeah, in the so. theater. so you're 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 i am I might be back in i was a little <laughs> <laughs> i was a little like eh, i don't know i'm i'm not like the biggest fan of, that's that's kind of like one of those genres that like outside of like lord of the rings and a couple examples like is just not one that i often connect with but um i don't know i'm i'm getting one back if i hear it's way more of like kind of a, a A fun rompy comedy or something like that
1: very very fun and i think it shows um why the directors are are where they are now in their careers especially after something it's no game night Mm -hmm. but definitely shows they've got a unique voice
0: well let's transition to talking about air which i i feel like you and i are gonna have a lot to say um yes it is kind of an interesting as I said, it <laughs> it is an interesting bridge between all of these things we've been talking about, because I think also similar to the Dungeons and Dragons movie, like, it is kind of a movie that both feels like a throwback, while also is feels very much of this moment of like, hey, if we're going to make, uh, if if we're going to do a more kind of throwback genre, it needs to be under the guise of like a familiar brand or something like that. Definitely, um, definitely. I'm curious. What what are what are your thoughts on Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck, the filmmaker, where he is in this in this constant up and down in the, in his <laughs> his career. He feels like he's back on like the second comeback wave. Um, I I think I forget if it was you that was on the podcast or maybe it was Daniel Feingold mentioning the like incredible Hollywood Reporter interview with him from a it's few a weeks great ago read. where he is very very candid about a whole bunch of different stuff
1: you know in general um ben affleck has impressed me so much more as a director than an actor just just in terms of the stories he wants to tell and now you know a lot of people are going to bring up the whole superhero culture with him and you can almost feel in those films this fatigue of just wanting to break away from that and Of course, you know you can talk about Argo all the live long day and how that's a solid Best Picture winner, but the movie that really stuck out to me with him, even more than Gone Baby Gone, was The Town, Mm -hmm. where he juggles so much in a classic crime caper, but has this almost gritty realism to it at the same time. And that's something I don't think I had seen before from an American filmmaker, or at least not since, let's say, Scorsese, just in terms of this almost dirty look at the underbelly of a city. Um, So for the most part, I'm on board with him. I would say in regards to air, it did give me some more red flags just because these kind of true stories can teeter into parody if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ingredients are there. And again, let's not talk about live by night. Um, you know,
0: I, that is the one movie he directed that I I never saw and it's funny it was even on like I go through each month like what's what's leaving my streaming services sort of thing to like, you know, add yeah. things to the queue and saw that that was leaving HBO Max and for half a second was like, "Oh yeah, I never saw this." And then it just sort of in the back of my mind be like, I haven't heard it's good enough in order for me to like commit to however long this is. It was just sort of like, I have other things I can be doing instead of like (laughs) watching something that I've heard from most everyone is not that good.
1: Yeah, it's one of those movies that came right around the time he started his career as Batman. And you can almost feel this push and pull in that film of Affleck not having the space or the time to really devote himself to the material i think in the way he's capable of um especially after something like the town which was also adapted from a novel but still that's another conversation for another day um overall he's just a very interesting filmmaker i don't know if i can call him a great one yet but he's making choices that are completely different between every film so
0: you know, he really kind of explodes in the late nineties along with Damon on the back of Goodwill hunting. Um, And, you know, I would, I would even say for a few years, like Affleck's an even bigger star. And then it, you know, he kind of goes in his down period in kind of the mid to late aughts where I feel like his, his sort of perceived status as a movie star in the culture is, is somewhat low. Um, And some of that is obviously like the, the whole kind of like tabloid culture around, him and Jennifer Lopez's relationship the first time around. Um, and and then it feels like in sort of the, the low point of his, you know, I, I'd be curious what what he would, because he's so frank about kind of the ebbs and flows of his career, what he would consider kind of the his lowest point. Um, but, you know, it feels like in that moment, he then pivots to directing. And I feel like, you know, for me, the progression of him as a director was sort of gone baby gone being like, which he's not in it's his brother Casey Affleck in the lead role. I believe Morgan Freeman's also in it. I saw it once in like high school, but it was sort of like it comes out like, oh, Ben Affleck made like a pretty solid, you know kind of crime noir yeah. movie, like good on him, and then the town feels like uh an, you know a progression from that of like, all right, now he's doing sort of a bigger crime action movie still set in Boston, still set in kind of a a a city that he has obviously all this life experience from and knowledge of and 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 understands the character of that city. Um and then you know gets to elevate that to doing Argo, which wins best picture. And then I feel like coming off of Argo, it was like, oh, is he gonna be like the next Eastwood or Warren Beatty or like, you know, insert right. whatever, you know, big leading man actor who becomes like a big Hollywood director. Um, and I feel like post Argo is kind of his, his golden comeback era. He does like, I think his best performance ever is in gone girl, which all, although like I concede see 50% of that is just maybe like the, the smartest casting in any movie in the last oh, two yeah. years is just like putting him in that role. I remember like having read that book and seeing he was going to be in that role being like, Oh my God, that's. That's so perfect and ka- and perverse. <laughs> I wonder if he's in on the joke of that. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, I think he just gets sucked into the the comic book universe. And I I think it's interesting reading that Hollywood Reporter piece where he seems. I think a bit mixed about I, I think doesn't. I don't know. You can tell he has a little bit of regret about doing that, of being like, I got into this with the best intentions and then just found out that this is a kind of movie that I just like really hate making. And I think just the the sort of like and not as like a knock against comic book movies, but a a knock against like the intense kind of pressure and sort of all the eyeballs you're on and the sort of fan discourse around all this stuff was just something he was like totally not comfortable with. And now it's funny seems to be like, I really do not care to like step back into that. Like I thought it was something I could do and it was cool. The idea of playing this character, but it's uh, the pressure and hours of that kind of movie. I I just have no, it, it, no desire to go back to. And now w- with air and this production company, he's, he's kind of launching with Matt Damon, you know, seems to have this desire to i i want to return to kind of like a middle a mid-tier grouping of movie that is just sort of like simple movie star driven pop entertainment for like adult audiences
1: i i think you hit the nail on the head um that superhero culture when you ingratiate yourself into that as an actor or a director It's hard to ever break away from that or let fans think of you outside of that world Um, and say what you will in regards to air. It's Affleck going back to more of this old fashioned sensibility that I would say has been missing since Gone Baby Gone. Um, Now, granted, to compare the Nike movie to a crime thriller like Gone Baby Gone is an apples and oranges debate, but it's a sort of old school premise that isn't really getting made anymore, um, which is nice to see, especially for Affleck, coming off of the the trajectory of you know DC attempting to jumpstart a universe. But besides that point, um, I, I we have not talked on air or at all in person about what we thought of the movie. But I'll say what worked for me so much in this was that almost Jerry Maguire business deal sort of film and gave me the response that I wanted out of another crowd-pleasing blockbuster this past year, Top Gun Maverick, Um, which is a film I'm not as crazy about as a lot of other folks are. And there's such a a wink to the camera throughout air in terms of knowing exactly the sort of crowd-pleasing sports, and I say sports in quotes, movie that they want to make that I just had a grin on my face the whole time and it's ridiculous it's melodramatic you know Affleck's been very vocal about saying the liberties they've taken but you can tell the passion he has for this story and I think passion is something Affleck has been missing a lot of from past projects so it's great to see
0: yeah, I'm sort of in a mixed state about this movie. I I definitely agree with you. I I never minded. I had a good time watching this thing for like the 2 hours that that I sat there. And then it was sort of in the car ride home, the in in sort of thinking about the movie in a larger sense being like, did I just sit through a 2 hour Nike advertisement? Um Oh, you totally rich- did. It it is the weird like it is on one hand something that on this podcast i'm constantly saying like i want to see more of at the movies which is just sort of like mid-budget movie star vehicles for adults yeah and like this is a pretty enjoyable version of that that you know matt damon is pretty much the lead of the movie um playing sonny baccaro who is sort of the uh, I'm probably going to get the terminology wrong a little bit, but the the agent at Nike who kind of like brought in Michael Jordan and then having Affleck playing Phil Knight, the CEO of uh, Nike and Viola Davis playing Michael Jordan's mom and then kind of ra- rounding out the cast, people like Chris Tucker and Jason Bateman. And it, it's just a fun collection of people and personalities to have in a movie that like, it is a movie that is a lot of, people in kind of bland conference rooms, picking up phones and like talking about, can you get Michael? No, but can you try? You know, it's a <laughs> lot of, that's a lot of the scenes in the movie, but you know, you having like this ensemble of really charismatic actors who are just sort of like enjoying the the fun and spontaneity of bouncing off each other. And that makes for an enjoying movie going experience even though the cynical side of my head is very much like this is a, you know, this is a movie that to exist, it also needs to be sort of an advertisement for this company and this shoe line. And it it needs to be a, a work of like capitalist brand identity <laughs> um, and, and sort of the weird mixed feelings, you know, it kind of reminded me of a, a conversation you and I had the last time you were on about the, the skittles sequence in the the shazam movie and yes. that that was coming up a lot while i was watching air is is the way that you know when they unveiled the shoe the audience in in my theater was just like ooh, and, yeah <laughs> and that reminded me of how put, like people just cheering like every time they did like a skittles product placement thing in in shazam and kind of the the weird mix that we are in we're like oh yeah d- to even get kind of, if we're not going to do a uh, a big franchise blockbuster, it needs to be latched on as some other kind of kind of capitalist uh, <laughs> piece of of advertising, I guess.
1: Well, and you know you're you're right where there is this this sort of motif and motif fans need to pay attention to going into this, where it is a two hour Nike advertisement. But making those sorts of films engaging is incredibly hard to do. And we've seen plenty of examples of that fall apart in the wrong hands. But I think what Affleck gets so spot on in his direction is the attention to detail and this this movie that's more about the process of business over the business itself. And does that make sense? It's, it's
0: yeah. I I think that's the stuff in the movie that is the most enjoyable. I mean, I'm sure like me, you're a lover of movies like, you know, all the president's men or, zodiac or i'll try and think of a sports money ball that you know exactly it is, i was yes. trying to think of a no what's a non-like journalist movie i can think of but you know movies that are uh, even the oceans movies when I, we did a, a soderbergh episode on this podcast talked about how like that's the joy of the oceans movie is it's it's all process um, exactly and i think that, that you are right that this movie is at its most engaging when it is about sort of the minutia of like Okay, so how do these different athletic, co- where athletic clothing companies sort of, uh, you know, get sponsorships, and how does all of that negotiating work? Um, you know, there are so many as 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 funny as it is that there are these kind of like scenes of Matt Damon just on a phone and kind of like a flatly lit. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, conference office space, um, and is just sort of negotiating with people. Like, there is something kind of engaging, I think, for people like you and I into sort of that level of detail and 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 for me was kind of an an eye opening, um, aspect to explore of just sort of like, oh yeah, I've never thought about kind of like the minutia of all of how all of these deals and and stuff gets put together and and pulling drama out of that.
1: Well, and it's it's one thing I really want to point out here is the the script. There's this interesting thing that Affleck does where he pairs Damon in certain scenes either with Affleck himself, but I want to particularly highlight his scenes with Chris Messina. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's this energy to a lot of these conversations that is so consistent and just moves. It's such a great clip. That even if, you know, like you or I or other kind of diehard film fans out there, you're going to know how these conversations end. But Affleck just keeps ratcheting up this tension over contract disputes, things a regular audience may not necessarily think about. And delivers them in this way that's very glossy, very fun, um, but also colliding with, you know, plenty of very spot on needle drops and period details um i cannot
0: one... imagine the amount of money they spent on on the needle i almost thought on the car ride home like oh yeah that's kind of why everything thing else in the movie kind of like maybe looks a little bit flat is probably they, they spend 75 percent of the budget on like can we get every 80s needle drop including like tunes from eighties movies and stuff like that to just like every five seconds there's a new needle drop. It's like, wow, how much did that cost you guys to get?
1: Well, with a budget of a predicted to be around 30 to 40 million dollars, you can't help but wonder if at least 50% of that is going towards these needle drops. And I've I've gotta give Affleck credit credit as a director here to make a period movie and get those drops delivered in such succinct ways can be very on the nose and they're scattered throughout just enough to where it doesn't feel like we're watching a parody of eighties movies. Um, There is one sequence and and I'm going to do my best to avoid spoilers here. um, But I think you'll know as soon as I say it involves the Ghostbusters and a reference to that.
0: Oh, that uh did feel
1: a little out of place to me and a little too heavy handed
0: there, there are definitely bits in the movie where it feels like they're they're laying the the sort of '80s kitsch on like a little thick, um, and maybe also part of that was like the screening I went to um here in town there was like someone emceeing the event that came out it was like yo you guys are in a time machine right now and we're going back to the 80s <laughs> no. there, there definitely is an aspect i think the movie can lay it on like, a thick in a few places of like is this bh1s i love the 80s like that's kind of what this feels like in a few moments <laughs> right now
1: <laughs> and you know the this, this is another thing I, I don't want to spoil, but there's also a great introductory moment involving MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not any, not any scene, but a certain sound choice.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I would say to audience members, if that makes your skin crawl, then you might just want to leave. <laughs> because there's, you know, again, to credit Affleck here, he's got such a knowing sensibility in terms of how he wants to respect this period of time to where he's putting just these little nuggets for the eighties fans out there, but also kind of letting his cast go at the same time. He's not constraining them, let's say to, to certain story beats, um, particularly, and, and he show, whenever he shows up, you know, you're in for more of a, let's say, improvised approach. Jason Bateman fits right into this world and has this really snappy banter that I think is what makes the film stand out to me. Um, but now, to be fair, and I can't stress this enough, and as you said when we started, you've got to know it's a two-hour advertisement for Nike.
0: Yeah, there is a kind of a climactic moment in a boardroom where, where Damon gives his like, heart-filled pitch to yes. to michael jordan and his parents um and and that really was uh, that that was kind of the moment that really crystallized in my head of like am i gonna in like six months just like see this as an advertisement for air jordan shoes like in the middle of a basketball game or something like that <laughs> like oh like, you probably like, will are they just gonna cut this out and put put this on tv or something like that like uh it, that th- there are moments where i think the the earnestness of it 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 kind of cannot help but come across as a, a bit of a elaborate product placement um in order to sort of like get this mid-budget movie star vehicle to to your theater screens
1: oh definitely and you know the the only counter that i have to offer to that is we don't actually see michael jordan in the film mm. we only see silhouettes from behind and You know, you can look up plenty of articles with Affleck talking about necessarily why they chose to do that, but it adds to this being much more of a movie about process than a sports movie. And again, I can't stress enough, it did leave me with the same feelings as like a Jerry Maguire type sports movie, to where, yes, it might be all pomp and style, but it's done really well, and it's done... In a way that never feels like the film is wagging your finger at you or saying, hey, if you're not Michael Jordan, then you're not going to make it in the world sort of mentality. Um, it's done with a lot of reverence to that process of business and making business deals and and the the aggravation these sort of life altering decisions can have for you. And at the same time, we get some really fun performances. So it it all evened out for me in the end.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I'm still. It's still that conflicting feeling of me. Like I still have the the part in my brain that is the like media studies college professor. <laughs> you know, like you got to really un unpack this text and be like, you know, I'm I'm not going to to buy the the obvious advertisement for me to just go out and buy uh Air, Air Jordan shoes and 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 sort of viewing the movie as this kind of like you know uh try, trying to to pull a ruse on on me in terms of uh you know oh yeah are actually here for you to buy something but you know don't worry it's a it's you know a fun uh Ben Affleck Matt Damon movie star vehicle but also as as I said earlier and and as you hinted at just now like it is full of all these fun performances it's great to see Damon and Affleck like bantering with each other uh, together i think all of ben affleck's scenes as uh phil knight are i i think just emphasize this fun moment i think he's in where i think he understand he is in on the joke of ben affleck fully at this point. absolutely and of you know is fully willing to sort of like it seems to have no ego in sort of like leaning into his for lack of a better word sort of meme status as as a celebrity 100%. figure. Um and Viola Davis, I mean I I hinted at earlier like, you know, I mean to say she's she's just a, a force of nature and can make what can make what on paper seems like kind of a nothing burger part into this really crucial like dramatic piece of the story um and makes this feel like a fully realized character even 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 if you know uh, i don't know In just another actor's hands i think this is kind of just like a throwaway part and viola davis gives it a a level of of dimension and and life that i i think you would otherwise not have
1: absolutely and you know it's funny i'm not sure if you read the article with affleck i believe it was on or excuse me interview on the today show um Jordan's one stipulation was Viola Davis to play as I heard
0: about this and that and I think I heard about that going into the movie and that's why I was maybe thinking like oh gosh is this going to be something where like she has two scenes and really like nothing to do um and and to to her credit as such a great performer I think is is able to make that such uh a part with much more meat on the bone than I think you would otherwise expect
1: absolutely absolutely um you know, to to set her up as... The film portrays her as this towering figure who's the real, the real brains behind the machine. And I mm. think Davis is more than up to that occasion, even with a part that doesn't call on her to yeah. do as much. She's just got this really subtle demeanor that mm. tells the audience everything we need to know about her without her being showy in the same way somebody like Ben Affleck, is in the film.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny to think, like, I would say she probably has the second biggest role in the movie behind Damon. I mean, Damon really is the kind of, like, top top build, sort of, like, biggest, you know, he, he is sort of the center of the movie in a lot of ways, but I think Viola Davis definitely gets probably, like, the second most important role, whereas, you know, Ben Affleck as Phil Knight is is more of a kind of, like, fun-supporting you know comedic character that just gets to or at least you know I found it comedic seeing Ben Affleck with like ridiculous curls in his hair and like walking around barefoot and in like yeah. brightly colored uh, uh track suits and stuff like that he he definitely gets the you know it's similar to what he had in the the Ridley Scott movie that the two of them did together of like he gets kind of the fun showy role that kind of pop in and out of Damon's really kind of the the lead in the center of the movie and then Viola Davis has this you know probably like second under Damon like really crucial supporting performance.
1: And the achieving that balance with three stars along the lines of Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Viola Davis. And again, I want to stress some of these supporting players too, like Jason Bateman, like Chris Tucker, like Marlon Wayne's in one really great scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's hard to give all of these actors their moment in a movie that's a commercial Mm -hmm. and Affleck achieves that balance really well. Now I'm not saying I want to see another one of these movies from him right after this, Mm -hmm. but in terms of showing us that there is more to him than just the superhero blockbuster or the gritty crime thriller, this was a nice change of pace. So if anything, what I can say to people is depending on what you feel about this movie it shows that affleck is back to doing what he wants to do
0: there's a level of enjoyment in in this movie that you can feel from from not just the entire cast but but from him as a filmmaker of you know this even though i would not say this is as good as something like argo or no. the, the town you know there the he feels sort of locked in and connected to the material in a way that like in you know those you know superhero movies that he's been in he maybe hasn't felt like as engaged
1: exactly you know to be a little cheesy here there's a passion that i think has been sorely missing Mm -hmm. um and this is a a welcome return for sure and for easter you know when you have a time of mario right around the corner and kind of some of the smaller indie and bigger blockbusters like we talked about this is perfect adult counter-programming
0: well, Gabe, uh, I know you got to be going, but uh, thank you again for for stopping by this week and and you of know, course, of good course, luck in your uh, future sneaker collection.
1: <laughs> thank you. Um, I think we should group back, let's say every month in honor of Airs release, and uh, talk about our sneaker collections. And why don't we just turn the podcast over into the sneaker hour?
0: Maybe. um... <laughs> maybe next year for the oscar nominees instead of everyone doing kind of like fun little image memes maybe maybe we should give nike and adidas and whatever the other big new balance like yeah. the challenge of create a sneaker for each and every uh, oscar nominated movie and then you know people can go out and buy
1: And then we can have Ben Affleck in his Phil Knight apparel, judge them for audience members.
0: Exactly. That's how we bring the show back. Everyone. Um, (laughs) That's what gets
1: us our ratings. (laughs) Yep.
0: Uh, Gabe, thank you again. Uh, Next week on the episode, you kind of mentioned it. There is a super Mario bros movie coming out. I think instead of uh, what an hour of me kind of having another existential breakdown about like why I got to see a Mario movie. Um, I think we're going to just turn this into an opportunity to talk about video game adaptations, um, which is also relevant because The Last of Us just wrapped up on HBO, and I think showed an 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 excellent uh, example of of how to sort of adapt one of these games into uh, a narrative medium. And so we'll we'll kind of take the the temperature of this sort of interesting trend that Hollywood has tried to crack since the 90s and um, I don't know are, are they are they gonna land the equation they haven't really before but we'll we'll find out.